Hold on, girl. Let me take this. Hold on, hold on. Hello? You ain't gotta like me, but you gonna like what I have to say. <laughs> hey guys, today's episode may be a trigger for some people as I will be discussing mental health related issues and sexual assault among women in the military. Therefore, if this episode is a trigger for you, but you're still choosing to press play, I highly recommend that you tune in with a friend or family member. In the meantime, if you are experiencing any mental health related issues and you are a veteran, there is the Military Crisis Line and you can reach them at 800-273-8255. For any woman out there who has experienced or is experiencing any form of sexual assault and just need someone to speak to, feel free to reach out to the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline at 800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E, or 4673. What's really dope about this hotline is, is that they will connect you with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area. As always, I truly hope that today's episode does help anybody out there experiencing any of these issues that we talk about today. As always, feel free to reach out to me via voice message, Snapchat, or Instagram. Also, in the description box, I will be leaving my guest, Casey's, email as well if you feel the need to reach out to her as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 14, aka my season finale of season one. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in, pressing play, rewinding back, fast forwarding, sharing, subscribing, following, not following, whatever you do. I definitely appreciate the love and support. Today's episode is really, really special. And it's going to be dedicated to our service members, aka veterans, in particular though, women. So today I actually have a really, really good friend of mine joining in today. Her name is Casey. She is a social worker, a former Air National Guard service member, aka a veteran. She also graduated with her bachelor's in social work from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and she now spends her time giving back to homeless veteran women in the state of Washington. Can you come on and say hello, Miss Casey? Hello. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Girl, you know, hey. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> so I want to just get into it so we can kind of get to know you. I guess my first, first question is, is that, you know, obviously you grew up in Arkansas. You now came out here to Washington. Um, you know, your journey is very unique. Um, for starters, I want to know, like, what inspired you first to, like, join the military? Well, it was school first. I didn't want to join because my brothers joined the military. My dad was in the military. Pretty much my whole family except for my mom. And I was very gung-ho against it. And then I went to Arkansas State University for like one or two semesters and realized how much money I was spending in student loans. And I, I was looking down the line and I was like, this is way too much money. And I don't have, I'm not going to make that much, I don't think, to pay these people off in like two, three years. So I might want to like join the military and get some money from the military. You know, but I think a lot of people join the military. That is the number one motivator, at least that I hear people join the military because of the benefits yes. for the education. Definitely. So 
Yeah. So you went to school. So you joined the military. You did your time. You got your coins to go to school. You got your degree. But what like motivated you to do social work? Was that always like the plan from the beginning? No. Uh, my first major in school was uh, early childhood education. Oh, okay. And then it was photojournalism. Oh. And then it was social work. Uh, oh. I, I had to go through the ranks to see what I really wanted. And then once I joined um, the rankings of social work students, I found out that my dad's family were all social workers. So I just felt like this was the family tradition because I got into the social work program without knowing that my family was social workers already. So I was oh. like, well, this is perfect. Well, this is it. This is what I'm doing. So, and I've always wanted to help people, you know, because I always had things for like helping children. Mm. And it just makes me happy to see a child smile because of something that I did. You okay. Know? Yeah. Nice. Which is awesome. So. No, no, that's really good. So that's so it's pretty much it was like destiny because it's like, yeah. okay, here you join something without knowing that you already had this family history of mm -hmm. people doing this line of work. So you pretty much was like, okay, these were in my cards, right? Yeah. And my mom's family also, they were all in the helping profession, either nurses or caretakers. So helping is just naturally in me. Okay, so yeah, so those are some family values that you low-key didn't even know about. No that's key. Really cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Legit, right. So, no, that's really good. Okay. So, for today's episode, you know, just to kind of get into the organization of things, um, we are going to be talking about women in the military in particular and you know being that miss casey is actually a woman of color i'm a woman of color i have no experience in the military i did want to understand what life is like for a black woman or any woman of color in the military also too we are going to talk about some things just in general for women in the military you know i'm not trying to sit here and isolate this conversation just to women of color because these are probably issues that all women in the military go through or you know most women go through but there are i think there are going to be some differences in you know especially for women of color what they go through and then um so again to get into the organization of things we're going to talk about women in the military i actually want to talk about mental health and sexual harassment and then lastly i also want to talk about any resources that could be available um to you or anyone that you know of going through something be it in the military currently now or even after. So mm. let's just get right into it. My first question for you is, is that being a black woman in the military, what was the biggest adjustment when encountering different people from different walks of life? Well, it wasn't as much an adjustment for me because uh, like I said before, my dad was in the Navy. So I was so used to moving around at different states and meeting different people. Okay. But as far as joining the military, when I went operational, it was nobody that looked like me anywhere. When I went back to Arkansas, of course, there were more people that looked like me. But when I went to like trainings and stuff like that by myself, because sometimes you go on um, deployments or you might go on different trips as a onesie, as they call it, just one person going. And it was hard to find people that looked like me or who had anything to do with my culture. The question then, what is the value of having someone that looks like you in the military? Like what value does that bring to you? Seeing another black person just makes me more comfortable in the situation. Cause honestly, when I get around other cultures and there's no one that looks like me, I can't relate to them. Mm -hmm. And I feel powerless almost. And Why is that? 
You know, that's a good question. I don't really know why I feel powerless, but I just feel a sense of sadness. I just I always have my head down. I do. My confidence gets low around them. So like when I'm around someone to feed off, I feed off their energies. Like, oh, I feel so much better because I got somebody to help me command this room. Or like when I became a sergeant and having to command rooms that no one looked like me, it made me uncomfortable. When I had somebody with me, I just got way more comfortable because their confidence just gave me all the comfortability that I needed. I have a question for you because you said that when you had someone that looked like you, you know, with you, you felt like you could command the room better. And I wanted to ask, do you think it's because we're so used to seeing white women or men in power? I, I completely agree with that. Yes, I, I think about that a lot because I wasn't comfortable in my skin when I was in the military. I was comfortable as a black person, like going around. But when it came to being around a lot of Caucasians or people that just didn't look like me, I got uncomfortable in my skin because they were always like staring at me with these judgmental eyes. I was like, I don't know how to go about this room and look confident and sound confident because their eyes are staring right through my soul, you oh, know? Wow. <laughs> no, that's a good, that's, that's actually yeah. a really good comparison. Wow. Yeah, but, but when it was a African-American person there, I always feel like I had a champion. So if I ever was to get nervous or scared, I could just look at them and they give me a look of validation. Because okay. we all go through the same thing because honestly, the Air Force runs off a good old boy system. And if you're not a older white gentleman, you are not going to get seen the same way. Perception is everything. I hear that. So do you feel like you had to work harder or even move differently than white women in the military? Of course, all the time, because white women were still white. It's just white women and black women differ in certain characteristics. And if we get mad or we get upset about something, we have to shut our mouth. But when a white girl gets mad or whatever, they try to appease her at any necessary cost. Even if we're doing the right thing, we might be called names, more names than the white girl would get. Or when it, even though it came to hair, because we have natural hair most of the time and we would get in trouble for our buns being too big. Well, this is my hair. This is my natural hair. We would put it in a low pony most of the time, a low bun and get in trouble for it because it's more than three inches in diameter. But then you see Kelly over here with her hair past her collar and no one says a word. But mm. I usually would get reprimanded by black people. And they would always say, well, you know that you're not white, so you can't do that. I got paperwork for it once. And I was just like, it's hair, it's my hair. So I had to start wearing wigs to cover up what God naturally gave me, which in turn was humiliating at times because oh. I didn't like short wigs, okay? They're not my friend, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. Every month, two days, I'd be in this short bob, just mad. It was more lenient when you deploy, because you're deployed and it's a lot more things that's going on than just going to work. Mm -hmm. But when you're not deployed, it was just like, hey, don't do that. White folks is watching. It, it sounds like it's a lot. I get that. I do. I mean, and it, it kind of sucks because it's almost as if like, it's like you can't help but to be the color of your skin. And yet they want you to change that without really changing it. Yeah. You have to alter your image to fit theirs. They say it's, you know, for everybody to look alike, but it's killing the black narrative in the military. So mm -hmm. we would get in trouble for for things that they didn't get in trouble for just because that we are we were black and it just looks different. So basically at the military, they viewed black women as just one type. You guys mm -hmm. have one type of hair color, one type of nail color, whereas I guess white women come in different variations. 
so something like that. So we can wear like get highlights like brown, but not like loud blonde. Then you have to put a wig on. And sometimes if someone saw your hair under that, you could get in trouble if someone's really a stickler. Like I got my hair colored honey blonde, like my whole afro, mm-hmm. and they saw it on Facebook, and I almost got in trouble for it. They're like, we're not gonna say nothing. Just remember to put that wig on when you go to drill. And it, sometimes in my edges, we will be peeking out, and people would make little faces at me like, oh, that's not your hair color. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm trying to pull the wig down. Dang. I'm like... (laughs) I'm trying to swoop this bang the right way so they don't see my edges. Girl. To me, that sounds like it's like a whole lot of unnecessary pressure Mm -hmm. just to look a certain part in a story. Even in basic training, I have had like little birthdays. There was some type of braid that I had in my head when I went to basic and I was told to cut my hair off because they were too, my braids were too big. Me and one of my wingmen had to go into the bathroom at midnight and cut our hair because our hair was too big. It was our braids. Well, we got these braids because we didn't want to like get our own hair messed up but you know I was like okay I can have some growth because this is when I first went natural so I was like if I had my hair braided up my hair might grow this whole time I'm out here so let me just leave it hair braided but I got told by a black woman one of our other drill instructors she told us to cut our hair that night we were cutting our hair we had a uh, room inspection like at midnight because sometimes they go in at random times of the night just to see if like if y'all are doing the right thing at night and she busted in there and we were hiding. We were so scared and she heard me. She told us to come out and half of our hair was undone. We looked crazy and she was like, just keep going. I ain't gonna say nothing. And then shut the bathroom door. We were so scared. We were like, we gonna die. We gonna die. We gonna die. Nothing. Oh my God. Wow. But black women who are drill instructors have to be harder on black people than they are on white people because they don't want to make it seem like they're friends with the black people or are just doing it because they're black or being nice to them because they're black so they had to be harder on people that are of color you know and no shade to that and i hope nobody gets offended but to me i look at that as being auntie tom okay Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's like why i mean why is it that when we are unified right people of color even black women with black women why is it that when there's unity it looks like oh we're just siding with them because of their color why can't we just Mm -hmm. be unified the way white people are unified why why can't we be the same way? Why is it that you have to be harder so that way you don't have this perception like you're taking their side because of the color of their skin? Why can't you just be really just unifying and going hard for just your people just because? Nobody questions it when white people Mm-mm. are doing it. I just, I don't get that. I think it's kind of because black people, we know that white people or any other uh, race out there looks at us as a threat if we get together. Because they're too scared of what's going to happen when we all unify as one culture. Because we we said we going to take over. Then they're like, oh, we can't have that. So we got to make it seem like we're going to look at them as a threat. And most white people, white males to be exact, are in power. So when they see a black person and another black person get together, they, they feel threatened. So they have to come down hard like don't side with them or else I'm gonna fire you or I'm gonna like look at you different as an employee or co-worker so black folks we know for a fact that they are scared when we unify because they don't want us to unify because if we do it's bad business for them but you know what kind of frustrates me though a bit with that especially when you have um a person of color in power at what point in time is somebody gonna say okay where does my moral ethics come in versus me getting some coin you know it's like whatever happened to just doing the right thing you know steve harvey said to monique 
that sometimes you got to put your pride away. You got to pay for your family's well-being instead of having dignity and, and respect for yourself. He said that to her after that whole uh, situation with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of got upset when he said that because some people really do think like that. It goes out the window. You got to provide for your family. And the only way to provide for your family is put up with people's nonsense just to get a check, which it hurts us as a whole because it's like, okay, they, they're going to buckle and they're going to do what we want them to do because they don't want their family to go hungry instead mm-hmm. of I'm going to build my own empire just like Tyler Perry build my own thing because I'm not going to wait on anybody else to build it for me but as a people we don't have that concept but it's true it, it is I mean and I think also it comes with fear people are oh, just yeah. fear of the unknown they yeah. fear that maybe that even if they did unify they lose their job and maybe they try to start something that hey it ain't may it may never happen. I mean, which is right. not true, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's just so unfortunate, especially because I feel like if I was in the military, for example, if I had some type of power, I'm not saying, oh, I'm gonna let shit slide, you know. If anything, if I'm gonna be equal, I'm gonna be equal to everybody. I'm not gonna go hard on you and then mm-hmm. cut some slack to white girl Miss Kelly or Annie. No, everybody gonna have to have their hair the way it's supposed to be in the uniform code. Period. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that, you know? And I don't give a fuck if somebody feels like, ooh, I'm siding more because she's black or she's Puerto Rican. No, I feel like it just needs to be a full-on equal thing. And in this case, which I don't believe in, not see the color. Not feel like because you're black in power, I have to be harder on my people. No, mm-hmm. be harder on everybody. Yes. <laughs> so I have another question for you. So it's about ranking. So, you know, when you're in the military, you rank up for those of you that know or don't know. I do want to ask you, do you believe women and this is just women in general, regardless of race, mm-hmm. do you think they struggle with ranking? Of course. Mm-hmm. A man <laughs> will rank up faster than a woman will because of, once again, the good old boy system. Because women didn't come to the picture in the military till years after the military started to do stuff. I don't, I don't know what year that was, but, you know, we were only mm-hmm. nurses then. So when we started getting to do other jobs, we had to work twice as hard. So if, if a woman is too hard on a man or are too hard on anybody, she going to get called a bitch. Mm-hmm. But when a man is too hard, he's just assertive and just he don't take no shit. So you have to have likability as a woman more so than you do as a man. And if nobody likes you, you're not going to you're not going to rank up. You have to go with the flow instead of having the flow go with you. You have mm-hmm. to be really likable in order to get anywhere as a woman in the military. You know, I only ask this because I know there's a stigma attached to women going into the military that, you know, you guys are not as tough as men. You guys mm-hmm. don't, you know, you're not as adequate as them. You can't run anything. I mean, look at now. We don't even have a woman president. You know what right. I mean? I, so, that was the next thing, too. I was, right. yeah, too soft. You're either too soft or you're a bitch. And they don't like neither one. So I do have another follow-up for you, though. Do you think having a pretty face, so those pretty women, do you think that they rank up easier? Oh, yeah. They wake up way faster than if you just a uh, mediocre looking female because they want to kiss your ass. Because mm, okay. they want you to look at them as like some type of dating material or like give them extra privileges. Okay. Now, granted, it's not still not as quick as a male, but if you're pretty, you got privileges. You get pretty privileges. <laughs> pretty privileges. Okay. I hear that. All right. <laughs> And everybody want to do stuff for you because you're just so pretty for a chance to date you or something. I won't speak to that, um, girl. <laughs> girl. I mean, well, yeah. No, I mean, plus I think anything in the workforce, too, we all know that, you know, more attractive women do probably get opportunities more than your average woman because of, you know, how they view her. So I, I feel that all the way. 
I have another question. So when a woman does rank up, do you think they are taken seriously? Well, it depends on what unit you're in. Because if, if you're in a unit full of people that call themselves family, like shout out to 189th Airlift Wing in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. We yeah. were a group of family members. We ranked up. They gave us our due diligence because we earned it. Instead mm. of, but once again, though, we were all a family. Now, when you have people in different sectors, they might have a different type of camaraderie and they might thrive off talking shit about someone who got uh, ranked up in the rankings. But it just, I really think that just depends on what unit you're in. I think that's true because I think not all, and FYI people, because I mean, I am a former military spouse. Not all units are created equally for those yet I'm wondering. And more importantly, not all of them know the idea of unity and family. Mm-hmm. You know, so Casey was very fortunate to come from a unit like that. Some units are built that way, but do not believe the advertisements and the lies that they say that we are a family, we are unified mm-hmm. because not every unit and branch and branch, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. live and move in that way. So that's really good to know. I mean, you are very blessed because a lot of people yeah. don't have that experience and stuff. Um, my last follow-up question for this with women in the military is, is that during your time in the military, how many superiors did you have on an average that you can think of in the four years were women? And it could be just a very guesstimate. I mean, you know, was it something more of a popular thing or obviously not more men? <laughs> Way more men. Well, honestly, in my unit again, we had an equal amount of women to men. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it was nice. And we were all just, we were just a hunky-dory family. Okay. So I had like, uh, my first supervisor was a woman. My second, so I would say about four. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I had about four. Okay, nice. Well, that's really good then. So I mean, you were able to experience, you know, that power, Mm -hmm. so to speak, in women. Perfect. (laughs) I loved every second of it. I loved, I love when I want 189 people. Services, huh? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was my, uh, that was my job, services. Hey, (laughs) no, I feel that. I mean, that's great. I mean. Because like I said, not everybody has the same experience in the military. So it's really dope to see that, you know, you had unity, you had people to look up to and, you know, you had that variety of things because some people go into West Bubblefuck in a unit and Mm -hmm. it's completely opposite. It's trash. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. Let's take a listen to some music from Kayana. Are you ready to see what's next? Explore my beauty, my beautiful soul My thoughts are made of glitter and gold and jump in actually into topic number two. So for topic number two, I wanted to talk about mental health and sexual harassment. So when thinking about this, and I want to be very clear because I know that this may be a trigger to some people who have been through any type of sexual harassment. And we are, you know, going to be talking about very general things. Um, But, you know, as always, you know, if this is a trigger to you guys, maybe listen with a friend or a family member um, or fast forward through. Um, In the end, we are going to give some resources that could help you. So when doing my research on this topic, 
I actually came across a very interesting article that was just published back in May from the New York Times. So back in May, the New York Times, they did an article on sexual harassment in the military. According to the Defense Department survey, <laughs> in the last two years, there has been a 50% increase in assault on women in uniform. According to the department's annual report on sexual assault in the military, they estimated that there were 20,400 instances of unwanted sexual contact. FYI, women make up about 20% of the military and they are actually targets of 63% of the assaults. Mainly younger and lower ranking women were at risk. More importantly, one out of 16 women have reported being groped, raped, or sexually assaulted within the last year. And this was actually, this came out this year, this wow. survey, 2019, FYI. So this is not old findings. They actually do this every two years. So my first, first question to you is, is that when you were serving in the military, were you coached on ways to report sexual harassment or assault? You know, I wasn't coached actually. Uh, they just told me to bring condoms. <laughs> really? <laughs> they told me to bring condoms. They did. Uh, so was the, that like taboo not to talk about yeah, sexual yeah. assault? Yep, because you don't want to get anybody in trouble. And if you get somebody in trouble, you might get demoted. You might uh, get talked bad to. Then you might even get assaulted more because you are, in turn, ruining somebody's life, quote unquote, as they put uh -huh. it. So women don't speak up. Even men who get sexual assault, we just don't speak up because we're too scared of rep reprisal. And if we do speak up, we get shunned. Even though uh, the legal teams uh, in the military can help you with uh, saying that, saying a, a different name than who you are, or you're not going to go public with it, you're just going to get this person fired. But of course, the person who in turn gets in trouble for it knows it was you. So they might just go ahead and just spread your name anyway. Like, oh, yeah, this person got me in trouble. So now I got to get out the military because of what they said. Even if you are. Uh, going into the, the legal office as anonymous. Mm. Like, they're still going to know because if that person is petty enough and tells you or tells anybody that what they did to you and then in turn you get fired, they're going to look at that person that uh, made the claim and talk bad about them. They're going to shun them. You're going to get shunned in your unit. You're going to get shunned everywhere. It's, and plus, it's like deployments. What, stay, what happens on deployments stays on deployments. So mm -hmm. no one really talks about anything like oh you did that they might you might talk about it amongst your friends but no one will go and report anything this is gonna make your deployment way more miserable you know and to follow with that because you said that um you know you might talk about it among friends has a soldier ever confided in you about being assaulted no they haven't okay. Okay. Uh, we were we were pretty lucky uh with women i was i served with we were pretty lucky about it Okay. About, but of course, other not sexual assault, but other types of assault I've been talked to about from friends, but never sexual assault. I don't know if they had it and they thought that they couldn't talk to me about it, but no okay. one's ever spoke to me about having uh, MST, which is military sexual assault. So I know you weren't coached, but I mean, obviously, we know that there is that that piece that can happen to you mm -hmm. as a woman, whether be it you are active duty, active duty, or deployed on a deployment, or even just going to work. What ways did you, just you personally, like what steps did you take to protect yourself against sexual harassment? I never went anywhere alone with okay. anybody. Uh, mm -hmm. And I always had my guard up because I didn't want to get too close to people because on top of uh, military sexual harassment, there's people who take rings off, okay? And they're not married no more. 
and mm. and that didn't sit right with me. If a person is, uh, I know they're married, and it makes me feel bad inside, and I'm doing that, it feels gross. Like I'm, mm. it's it's a sin. Okay, granted, there's other sins. You know, mm-hmm. not gonna speak on that, but that was one sin that I didn't want to do. So. I, I felt wrong. So I didn't go nowhere alone. And oh. and if someone tried to have an advance at me, I just pull it off as a joke and walk away. And I'm like, ha you weird fam. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotta go. Not doing that. And then, of course, I get called names because I didn't do anything with them. I'm like, please call me names. But I'm not going to have that sitting over my head that I did something that I shouldn't have been doing. So you say, like, sometimes you would get advances. But I'm saying, so I guess, at, at what level? Was it, like, a typical, like, you know, when a guy's just feeling you, he's trying to talk to you? Or was it more of an inappropriate kind of advance that just would make you uncomfortable? Well, maybe, like, 50. It goes 50-50 for me. Sometimes it'll be that, hey, I want to take you to um, 11D, which was the community hall where we were reported. Or it got to the point where it's like, hey, we're on this deployment. I know you want me, so let's let's do what we got to do. I ain't tell nobody. You won't tell nobody. I'm like, okay, uh, get out of my face. Mm. <laughs> then I get called a bitch or something, and then I just walk mm. away. I'm like, okay, he called me a bitch for not fucking him. <laughs> so, so question then. So the people that usually would approach you, were they higher ranking? Um, It would vary okay. on who I was, because I was deployed with every branch. All right, when I mm-hmm. went over to Djibouti, it was every branch, like Navy, Air Force, Army, and Marines. So sometimes I didn't know their rank because I don't, I could never see where the Navy's had their, the Navy people had their ranking at. So if they were Navy, I really didn't know their rank, I'm going to be honest. Because <laughs> mm. I didn't know where it was. I didn't, and we wouldn't ask questions. We never would ask questions. We were just like, oh, okay. Like you just, you're just another male. That's what you are. Another person on the street. The ranks go out the window. Everything goes out the window. Regardless of what uh, leadership says or what the UCMJ is, uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice, whatever that says, it kind of almost goes out the window because mm. no one really respects it. Like, this is a deployment. I mean, of course, you have people who care, but a vast majority did not care. And I believe that. I mean, because it's like you're not in the state, so it's like mm, the rules don't apply to me. I'm, I'm overseas. Like, when we get back, boots on the ground in America, all that shit then matters because you know we're on base we have to set an example but when you're overseas yeah there's probably a lot more leniency right oh yeah a lot mm-hmm. more especially if you're somewhere where there's not a lot of leadership mm-hmm. now because no one's looking at you there's no leadership looking at you at all and that's when the ranks really go out the window now Djibouti was a little different than where I was previously because it was a little bit more structured, but they can't see everybody. The leadership cannot see everybody. People were still acting like they were higher than the rules or something. Mm, I was going to say that they were regular degular shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you were E1? I didn't even know. Oh, well. Like, oh, well. I'm an E7, but we deployed. <laughs> so, you're All E7 too. When them coins hit the bank account. Mm-hmm. Right. Regardless <laughs> if you have a wife or a husband at home and a whole family. Well, thanks to Jesus. Jesus needs to come and fix that. Hello. <laughs> I have a final question, but I, I don't know if you can answer it because I know you didn't have any experience with this. But so do you truly because, OK, I read back, you know, the survey about the sexual harassment that occurs in the military with women. Do you really think because a lot of people might say, oh, this is bullshit. You know, women cry wolf all the time. So do you really think it's common for women to experience harassment? And do you really think it's typically with their superiors and then also, do you think it is race-driven to a certain extent? 
Yes, it's common. And I know we're talking about we're talking about women, but it's common for both men and women. Oh, I agree. No, oh, I yeah. know definitely. Yes, but I mean it's common, oh, especially oh, no. if you're lower rank. Because you're not going to say anything. You're too scared to say anything. So people think you're not going to say nothing because for fear of reprisal. So they do it all the time. And most of the people that I see sometimes as a social worker that works with women, I see a lot of it. A lot of people coming back home with uh, military sexual trauma and have to learn how to even communicate with a man again. Wow. It's sad. Some people don't even come out until after they get out the military. Mm-hmm. Just to let my listeners know and, you know, people that have this perception that, oh, if you get raped, if you get sexually harassed, why not say it then? Trauma is a process. And mm-hmm. people cope with it different ways. And yes. there will be some people that, even if we're looking at, like, child molestation, they will get molested at a young age, and then it will come to them 20 years later. It takes people their own time. So I don't want people to think for one minute, like, oh, if she was harassed. Why is she just doing it now? She's not doing it for a check. It's because it took her this long to cope and speak on it, mm-hmm. just to be clear. And then people will talk to you like, oh, this, she's faking because she, it took her 20 years to come out. Well, mm-hmm. just because it took her 20 years doesn't mean it didn't happen. I agree. Because people I can agree. have another coping me- mechanism that will further ruin their life, like getting on drugs or something, because of this one instance who was this person that caused uh, sexual harm to them. I have a follow-up question, though. I've seen this with in movies and just in the news in general. Do you think race plays a factor in taking a report on sexual harassment or seriously? So, for example, if a white woman reports sexual harassment, at least from what I've seen in movies and the news, they are taken a whole lot more seriously. It's a big uproar versus a woman of color reporting sexual harassment. So... When you say that, it comes to mind um, African-American women in the hospital. Mm. You you see how a pregnant woman, regardless of economic status, is still treated more poorly while she's pregnant than a white woman. I, I can't give you the statistics on it, but I think it goes along with that as well because we're not seen as priority. Why? Black, because we, we get seen as uneducated mm. and we're, like, we're going to give up. If no one listens to us, we're just going to give up. We're too scared of reprisal. Of course, white women are too, but we're way more scared than a white woman would be because we got other things showing against us. So it's like, oh, well, we're not going to take you seriously. Are you sure he touched you there? Like in a pregnancy, are you sure that your water broke? Are you sure that you're having these issues? Until the fact that the baby's born and we die from pregnancy-related causes. About the same thing. So you might be right on that. The race Mm -hmm. does play a factor in a woman reporting, a black or a white woman reporting. I think the problem with society is, is that they view blackness as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And most of the time is that when they see the color of your skin, they're intimidated. So they're scared to approach you. They're scared to recommend things. They're scared to help you because again, it's viewed as if like automatically black people are dangerous. Right. Um, So yeah, I mean, definitely. And again, like I said, and I'm not an expert. I don't have statistics either. You know, I'm just going based off of things that I see and, you know, just from what's portrayed, not only in the media, but in movies. And it seems to me as well that a lot more white women are highlighted in stories they when, are. They're, when there's sexual harassment. And, you know, black women or women of color as well, too, um, are muted. I think it's kind of like black on black crime. Uh, let's say like DeAndre could shoot up uh, I don't know. Give me a black name. Dante. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Did yeah, I just I feel, your let me, let's apologize for Casey right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Give me a black name. Look at DeAndre can kill Dante, and nobody says a word. But as soon as Dante kills, give me a white name, Bob or something, it's world, it's national news. Black on black crime's been happening for so long that no one cares anymore. Mm. It's kind of like that. Like we, as a black community, have been dragged by our own community so much that no one's gonna believe what we say. That our stuff doesn't matter because it happens all the time. People start to get complacent in it because it's like, well, it's just another rape or it's just another gang. Thing. You know what I'm saying? Don't nobody care because it happened all the time. But a white woman, she's too sacred. This don't happen all the time. This is she has a sacred body. We cannot let this happen again. I don't feel like black people or Puerto Ricans or whatever culture you're, I don't feel like, especially in the black community, I don't feel like they're dragged by the community. I really do feel like society has set the black community up for failures. That's how they see us. Such. They see us like, oh, this is not gonna affect mm-hmm. anything because they're always doing it. So let's just mm-hmm. shoot it in the rug. So we did, we won't uh, speak up as much as white women will because they're not gonna believe us. They'll believe a white person or a white woman with military sexual trauma more so than a black woman. That's true indeed. I have another follow-up question. What are your thoughts on people that say, well, she acts where she was dressed a certain way. Her skirt was too short. Ooh, her cleavage was out. That V-neck. What do you say to people like that? So let's take some of these mass shootings. All right. Mm-hmm. So somebody, if they weren't in that church, they wouldn't get shot shot up. Or if they weren't in that Walmart, they wouldn't have got shot up. So they were obviously asking to get shot up. Mm, I that, that makes no sense to me. A person should be able to wear what they want, do what they want, act how they want, and still not be asking for someone to sexually assault them that's mm-hmm. like let's say like oh just because a guy got gray sweatpants on i'm okay to just you know grab your junk and just hold it in my hand for 10 minutes no okay. you're not you're not gonna <laughs> like that you're, so why would i want you to be groping all on me and doing all this shit mm. just because i got on a miniskirt I, I didn't ask for this because i'm not dressing like this for you most of, like okay there's some women who dress like that for the attention but some women don't do that like, i'm just doing it because i want to do it and it make me feel good yeah but, but to be clear too even if they're dressing for the attention keep your fucking hands to yourself okay i don't care if she's all types of thoughts and she might charge our motherfuckers on craigslist for 150 keep your hands to yourself unless she tells you to touch her right just saying sorry hey i feel you there i, I just you, I, you know because i'm i mean look here I'm, I'm never here to judge i don't agree with some people's lifestyles but still keep your hands to yourself because I, I just don't get why people do that i don't care if this bitch is walking around in a thong don't touch her unless she says touch me. Bye. It's a power trip. Oh yeah. It's definitely yeah. a power trip. It's like, oh, you know what? She got her little titties out. I'm gonna put my hands a motor mm-hmm. her titties right here in the middle of the parking lot. Like hello. Because I'm a yeah. man and I can do this. No, now, you cannot. You be talk, get talk shit to. Like, no. No, I did not give you permission to touch me, so don't touch me. Period. No, if it was opposite, you'll actually be a hoe and you're thirsty. Right. Let's oh. Be clear. <laughs> Think about it. You're doing too yeah. much, girl. You touching on him, feeling on his. Mm-hmm. Cause imagine that. Yeah, girl. You know. You know it's true. Yeah. Oh, she a hoe. She be fucking everybody. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let me walk around and girl. grab your shit. Right. right. But a guy is a player, though. But a woman's the hoe. But of course, oh, that's yeah. another conversation for another time. It's uh, double standards and whatnot. But Ooh, I know you ain't never lie. Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break. Let's take a listen to some music from Kiana. Try my love for my chance. Want to try my love out for my chance. 
So let's go ahead and carry on. <laughs> so next topic I want to talk about is mental health. Okay. And we touched a little bit about this in the beginning, the middle, but I want to kind of dig a little bit more deeper. And um, often coming into my first question for you, often women are deployed and they experience some sort of trauma on deployment, what it levels to and how it varies. Obviously it, it, it can be multiple things, but I want to ask you, do you think the military, especially when they're chaptering them out or when it's time to leave, do you think the military values women's trauma that they go through in deployment? Definitely not. Um, Because if you're not infantry, you didn't have no problems. Oh. Okay. You didn't have any problems unless you tell them. And then they still, of course, VA has to, it's a process of getting someone uh, a claim and believing them. They have to go through various tests. But when it comes to women, they're like, oh, first of all, most of women don't speak up because they usually go back to their regular lives as a mother, as a wife, as a sister, as a cousin, and they go back to their regular life. They just don't say anything because for so long, men have been the top of the conversation in the military that women just get overlooked because mm-hmm. sure we're did. not men. We don't have those hard jobs. Well, nowadays we do because there's a couple of women I've read about back who are now like special forces and Marines and stuff like that. It happens, but they still get looked over because they don't experience all the bruteness that a man experiences, even though she might have way more trauma happening to her than that man. Well, so to educate the people in the back, my question to you is, is that what are some types of trauma that women can experience on a deployment or in the military in general? The same thing a man can. P- uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, MST, mm-hmm. paranoia, like everything. You know, but how? You I know, no, I know the list. No, I, I feel mean, you. But let me elaborate a little bit more, okay? Because I'm getting somewhere with this. Because, you know, again, I, I go based off of things I read. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I understand that, but I'm saying in what circumstance? Because we know what's highlighted. Right now, we highlight our men who Mm -hmm. are with their weapons. They're out in these fields. They're capturing whoever the hell they're supposed to capture, killing whoever they kill, watching, you know, their battle mates die in front of them. So because women typically don't go out in the field, what is it that you guys are experiencing, be it on deployment, be it on base, that would cause you to have PTSD, paranoia? We know, okay, we know the sexual assault. We know that's his own thing. That's traumatic itself. But I, I want you to answer this question for the people that really are oblivious to the idea that you guys go through anything. Well, like I said, like, we can get every single thing a man gets. For instance, like when it comes to grief loss, we get that mm-hmm. as well. Like you could have a friend that's next to you gets, I don't know, catches a common cold and ends up dying for other complications due to this cold. Mm. Like people don't have to get shot up to have experience any type of trauma in their life. Uh, but like I said, it's same thing goes for men. Every, women and men experience the same exact traumas. Like there's nothing specific to women besides, there's nothing specific to women. To women. I'm glad, no, I'm glad you cleared that nothing up because again, a lot of people feel like it's just men. And I want them to understand that you, when you're in deployment and you're standing next to a man, whatever the fuck he puts on his claim for the VA, shows how you can do the same thing and not be questioned about it. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you can feel alone. You can worry about family. Mm-hmm. Uh, just regular day to day things that you're not comfortable with. Like I'm not comfortable driving this Humvee over these this terrain. Like for me, I wasn't comfortable driving a stick in Africa because it was so bumpy, and I thought we was gonna die the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I can't drive no stick. 
like, but I learned mm-hmm. while deployed. So right. that sucked. But I can go through anything a man goes through, period. But of course, they overlook that because we we don't have those problems, even though we got to go back home and be the mother and the wife. And we still have to be mothers and wives while we're gone. Now, granted, a man mm-hmm. does too if he has a family, but not to an extent that a woman does sometimes. Well, most mm-hmm. of the time, I, I might, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but everybody has families. Everybody has duties. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the brute is put on to the woman because she is the caretaker. She is the mother of mothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. The dad, he just, he can leave without any question. A woman is, has a more, more emotional attachment to a child or her duties as a, a woman than a man does. It's true. No, I agree with you all the way. And, you know, I won't say names, but like my aunt, for example, she actually was deployed a couple of years ago out in Afghanistan. And so she had to leave her two children and husband for an mm-hmm. entire year. During the time when she was deployed, it was actually crazy because it was during the most devastating time in Afghanistan. Like, it was just the worst time to be there. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, so, and plus women, they're very emotional. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when you're a mother, whether you're a sister, I mean, it just takes a toll on you. And so, yeah, when she was deployed, definitely, I mean, I can only imagine how that felt to like leave your family for a year. Limited communication. A lot of people don't realize that too. When you're deployed, you don't get to pick up the phone whenever the fuck you want to talk to people either. Right, right. You don't have access to the regular things that we do, like the phone, the internet, Skype. It's not always that feasible. And right. I mean, it's a lot. And then, you know, then I know, for example, too, like you guys don't get to go to bed at 8 p.m. and kiki, watch a show, have a cup of coffee. No, you're working 24 7. And yep. it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, definitely I do think that takes a toll on someone's mental health. And I just get very disappointed that when I hear things in the news and when people are out here talking to Congress about military, they're only referencing men. And right. it's like, only the men go through shit. We need to do more for our veterans when we all know, come on, even when people are out here kneeling down at football games, we need to, they think of men. Military mm-hmm. represents men and I think it's bullshit. Right. So, just saying. <laughs> it, I completely agree with you. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't do all the stuff I wanted to do. Uh, granted, I worked on shift work. But even on, like, we get those small days off, I still couldn't do everything that I could do back at home. Because I was mm-hmm. all the way in Africa with limited uh, limited service. Yeah, even Skyping sometime was a problem. Because I brought my laptop, and I, I was able to Skype. But, you know, the time difference, folks need to go to sleep. Right. It was a big time difference. So it's like, I can't talk to people when I want to talk to people. And that Plus, kind of gave me depressed a little bit for some time. It's true. Plus, I think people don't realize, too, um, when you're on a deployment, um, you are in a different culture. You're around different people. And honestly, you don't know. You don't know what threat they can bring to you. People will put on a facade in another culture, in another country, and pretend as if they're there for you and they're supportive, but you don't know what their agenda is. And I can see why there's that paranoia because you really don't know the intentions of people because you guys are outsiders Mm -hmm. invading their space, their culture, you know? So you don't know. And I mean, so I think people don't realize is that you don't have to be in a war zone to be at risk <laughs> for you your life not, right anything can you happen not. you anything you have to have your guard up 24 7 because you're not like you said you said somebody that went to afghanistan they called you a vacationer just because my situation isn't bullets flying 24 7 doesn't mean i'm not fucking safe <laughs> right because at one point of my deployment uh well I, we were working next to uh, a place where isis were training like right in the next country 
and we found out that they start learning our route so on the way to work we had to drive with our guns we couldn't talk to um the people that were walking outside because in Djibouti they had Syrian refugees everywhere and we sometimes we used to like put water out or like just wave and we couldn't even do that anymore because we were too scared of these people that's smiling back at us might be looking to kill us so going to work every day was a scary situation because we're like, we don't know if we're going to live through this car ride. And I was like, oh, maybe like a 20, 30 minute car ride. We don't know if we're going to live or die to this. Right. And that that was painful to like just sit there and be scared for 30 minutes mm-hmm. or an hour out the day. Usually like I just, it was scary. And of course I, I didn't have bullets, but being paranoid and having my guard up 24 seven was tiring. It's true. I, I can only understand. I mean, you know, I don't know what it's like, but it, I mean, it's very true, everything you're saying. And I think people need to really, they need to just stop associating, you know, PTSD, depression, paranoia with just one type of event. It's just not, it's, it's multiple things. Right. So yeah, definitely. I have another question for you now. So what do you think the military could do to better help transition women soldiers struggling with mental health? Um, realize for one thing that they're not just a woman, they're a soldier, they're a wingman, they're a Marine, you know, they're a seaman. They are still in the military. Like mm. they have the same problems that a man has. And a lot of people uh, don't realize that even like some of the military psychologists or military social workers, instead of talking it out, they just throw pills at you, mm. which mm. doesn't help. <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't alter your entire makeup your makeup your genetic makeup it's just like you for once you're bubbly before you get before you deploy and then when you come back you just uh just staring blankly at a wall all day long really changed the, the dynamic between family members which leads in suicides and homicides because they are not getting the help that they need the proper help at that yeah they're not right. getting the proper help for women it's a tad bit harder because they're like oh she's okay because she didn't go through anything Mm-hmm. And people still don't understand. People in the military still don't get that. Because people think the most a woman can go through is MST. What they can do really is just educate educate people. Women can't have the same problems as men. Have a duty, I feel like, to educate others on what women go through in the military as well. Again, I think with the military, you know, military is represented by like strong and courageous. So anytime mental health comes into play, you you look like you're weak. So mm-hmm. they rather avoid it at all costs. Also, I think what the military could do to maybe help better transition women is just valuing them more. Right. Placing that value and putting them up on that pedestal. Because if anything, I feel like women are probably going to be 10 times more sensitive than men to the shit they see. Mm -hmm. Period. We're going to receive such and such getting hurt or someone getting sick and dying or even just being in a Humvee like you and holding a weapon. Mm-hmm. A lot more differently, possibly, than a man. No shade, too. A lot of men, they join the military because they find the fun in having a gun. They find the fun oh, in being yeah. out the field. It's that adrenaline rush. Some women, you know, they go into the perception of, oh, I want to join the military, you know, like you did. You started out with school. You want it now. Then you got to meet different people, walks of life. But you didn't have these full-on expectations, like, am I going to be going to war? Is my life really at risk? Right. And Or, more importantly, because not a lot of women are in the news dying. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're not fighting the way men fight, which is bullshit. 
there's a double standard when it comes to men's feelings and women's feelings because we're allowed to have them. Men grow up thinking they're not allowed to be sensitive. Whereas mm-hmm. us, since we're allowed to be sensitive so much, it just grows stronger and stronger. Every day, our sensitivities just grow stronger. We, oh, okay. We <laughs> cry, cry at the TV. That's a dog on the TV. And a man is looking like, what is wrong with you? Like, it's the eyes of the angel. What you mean? You know? Yeah, but then that's undervalued too, because it's like, okay, then they then they kind of tie with, well, you're just being emotional because you're a woman. Right. Right. You know what the other thing is too, looking at these double standards, I think because men suppress their feelings that when they finally come out and say, I have PTSD, it's like, oh my God, the world is ending. Because mm-hmm. this man will never say how he feels. He's saying he has a problem and it's because the military fucked him up. And now we have to stop the planet mm-hmm. and do everything in our power to help him. But women, because they're just naturally fragile, so to speak, or emotional, according to people, that, oh, she's just being a woman. Right. That's what they drag it up to. She's just a woman. Mm-hmm. And what she feels really doesn't matter. Exactly. And it's bullshit. <laughs> it is. And the people think that we end up crying wolf when we're actually really traumatized by something. Like, oh, you're not really that hurt. Like, you're mm-hmm. good. Like, it was just a simple shot. It's okay. And we all knew what was coming. So ain't no reason to cry now. There's no mm-hmm. reason to cry. That pisses me off, though, because I feel like just because you guys sign a contract, yeah, we know, okay, we know job requirements, right? Think about it when we're working. But do we really know the extent of the job until we're fucking living it? So who the fuck are people to say because you put your name on the fucking paper and you agree to certain things that you're just supposed to suck it up because you chose to join the military? Yeah, let me tell you, the the saying in the military, well, mo- I, well, I guess the Air Force, I don't know if any other branch says it, but they just say, uh, shut up in color. Like, just take it. That's what they okay. say all the time, is shut up in color. And I used to hate it, because I'm like, I'm just supposed to take bullshit because I'm in the military? And then if you don't take it, rather, and you talk back to them, you get paperwork, you get kicked out, you get looked at as a trouble airman or a dirtbag airman. And just like, you can't do, you can't talk back, you can't say anything, because you're going to look at, get looked at a certain way. And it's going to follow you the rest of your military career. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. No. I mean, you know, I just feel like even when you're looking at it from a civilian perspective, if I if I decide to work at a certain job and then I'm thinking I'm only working 40 hours a week, but now the job is taking me into 60 hours a week and stressing me the fuck out. I'm dealing with should be on my capacity mm-hmm. that I expected or beyond the expectations of the job. Who the fuck are you to say, shut up and cover? Right. <laughs> Like we no, thank say, you. Right, because they're usually people who say shut up in color are higher ranking, and they've been in the military longer than you, and they've been putting up with it, and they just stop talking. They just mm-hmm. don't talk, and then hence the reason why there's so many um, mm. uh, alcoholics in the military. Oh yeah, because they cope with it the they're wrong coping way. Coping with alcohol or coping with drugs because they've been told shut up the color so much that they just the coloring for them is drinking, mm. and they tell other people that and it's just like that's not a good way to cope. That's true. And then, you know, the other thing that kind of ticks me off, too, is that I feel like because you're in the military that they have this whole perception that, all right, like you guys are just supposed to take whatever the fuck comes to you. But if I was in a civilian job, right, and I was being talked to like I was shit, okay, disrespected, sexually assaulted or seeing bullshit at work, I have rights. It's like you guys have zero rights you have to just deal with it because you find this contract mm-hmm. and you're in the military whereas us civilian people we have the opportunity we have hr to report to we have opportunities where people will be reprimanded 
for their actions, whether mm-hmm. and how they talk to you. And there's even some jobs out there that they actually provide the counseling and there's no stigma attached to it. Like, oh, you're weak because you need counseling for something to happen in the work field. Whereas at the military, you guys have no right. Nope. I mean, granted, there are, the uh, I forgot what they're called, but there are the offices that you can go to to talk about like race related issues or but are you whatever encouraged to go? no no you're definitely not encouraged to and they will talk crap to you <laughs> if you, you if they find out that you're doing it and someone gets in trouble behind it oh yeah you that's gonna live with you for the rest of life because mm-hmm. but people don't understand sometimes if you get in trouble in the military it'll follow you in civilian life mm-hmm. so people don't want to do certain things or say certain things or be looked at as a trouble airman or wingman or whatever have you because it's going to follow them. Mm-hmm. Reputation is everything in the military. It is. It is. And if you want to get that job at, let's say, like, I don't know, Amazon, and mm-hmm. they find out something about something that you did in the military, you, you might not be able to get that job because something that went on in the military. Mm-hmm. Like, you spoke you spoke up, so therefore you are you are a trouble airman. So if someone, if you try to get a reference from somebody, they're going to call you a trouble person or you, you were always into drama because you spoke your mind. Like, mm-hmm. we are not encouraged to speak our mind. You better not speak your mind. Sure, and you know, for those of you that don't know, so when you are um, released from the military, you get a DD-214. So imagine this. Imagine if you went to college for four years, you get your diploma, and because you may be spoke up about somebody sexually harassing you or someone disrespecting you in college on your diploma it will say that you were a problem and why mm-hmm. and that's forever so imagine submitting your proof your proof that you went to college for four years and then this employer gets to read your amazing degree but hey there's this little footnote that says by the way you're a fucking problem that's mm-hmm. what they have to go through with their dd214 yeah that's true or they'll just try to medically discharge you but Mm. medical discharge especially for black women like it's it's pretty horrible because they try to send you to somebody who doesn't know anything about where you come from Mm. you you usually get a uh a white or asian therapist or Mm -hmm. psychiatrist you don't ever get a black person you have to go outside of the va to Mm. go get anybody of color (laughs) it's really hard because people don't understand our struggles because being a woman in the military is hard. Being a black woman in the military is two times as harder. Mm-hmm. Being really? black in general in the military is harder. Okay, I I agree, and Way I mean harder. people are gonna disagree, but it is true. I mean, I think being black in America is fucking hard. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah. So imagine being in the fucking military, which is built off of the red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you don't Just like this saying. country. You get the fuck out. <laughs> Hello. Be it even if you were born here right. in the United right. States. Get the fuck okay. out of here. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. so true. No, it's so true. And so my final follow-up question to this um, for mental health is going to be, and I feel like there is a stigma in the black community where getting help or your mental health is kind of shunned. You know, so like sometimes we'll have these soldiers that will come home and they're afraid to speak to their family about PTSD depression and they're kind of afraid to even go through the VA route and even get mental health is I mean aside from not having someone that looks like you to understand you I mean often in the black community again it is shunned so I guess what advice would you give to people of color or even black people in general too as well to get the help that they need for their mental health well first of all I I would start by really doing some introspection like do you really need to talk to your family about this because your family is not going to understand and i say if you feel like something 
don't hesitate to reach out to a mental health professional. Like, do the work to find a person of color if you feel like that's the person that you need. Because I have a friend who got out medically, and it was so hard for her to find a black person that she had to go to the next uh, the next county to get any help from a black person. Mm. <laughs> like, don't wait. Because if you wait, it's just going to build up and build up, and it's going to start showing everywhere in your life every aspect of your life is going to change now granted it's going to change anyway but it's going to take a turn turn from the worst if you don't get it handled because african-american community we are prideful on our church like religion is a big deal for us so if you are if you are uh experiencing some type of mental issue they gonna just tell you to pray but god puts people in your life to help you mm-hmm. so even if it is a mental professional, I had one person tell me you don't need a therapist because they don't really care anyways. Well, what a therapist is, is a non-biased opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you talk to family about this, that's biased all over the board, across mm-hmm. the board, because they're not going to understand. Because a lot of people who are not in the military won't understand what you're going through because most of the time they're, they don't have any dealings with the military. I'm talking about like not a military spouse, not even have a friend that's in the military. So they're not going to understand. So my thing is, don't even try to talk to them. Go somewhere else. Because <laughs> if you feel like your family is that type of family to uh, tell you to suck it up or pray about it. If you feel like your family's not going to understand, don't hesitate to reach out to someone that will understand. Find the help that you need. And there's resources everywhere to help you find mental uh, mental health uh, from someone. There's mm-hmm. resources out there everywhere. Whatever state you're in, they have them. You just have sure to look up. I agree. There are resources, um, you know, and there are hotlines, which actually we're going to get into in a few as well that will be helpful. And it also will be in the description box as well, too. Um, also, too, um, and if you guys listen to my episode on getting your spirit right, I do feel like, too, aside from getting that men- that mental health help <laughs> as well, you know, professionally, you know, also get your spirit right. And I mean, there's tons of different ways as well, too, because that's another thing, too. I feel like you can also go to therapy, but if you're still not battling and dealing with the shit that you're going through within, none of that shit's going to help you either. Right. So, I mean, you know, also having that balance and understanding, too, like, I need to get myself together. But also, you know, the first step could be that it's going to someone professionally. Um, And then my other final thought with that is, too, is that I want people to understand that it does not make you weak because you get help. It just makes you stronger. Yeah. And that's that's the number one reason. Well, I'm not going to say the number one reason, but a big reason why Mm -hmm. people don't search for mental health because they're going to look at going to be looked at a certain way, especially for a man like you're going to look at as weak or Mm -hmm. you're going to look at looked at as not able to handle parts of life that other people can handle like you're gonna be looked at real different (laughs) yeah true and then also some people feel like this is embarrassing right right which is not i mean it's not i mean something happened to you you know own it acknowledge it and let's get it together that's how i look at things at least you know so yeah i mean it's not embarrassing and i feel like another thing too is that people need to realize is that you're not the only one Mm -hmm. and it's not the end of the world either Even if you are the only one in this planet going through some shit. Okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's more people uh, before you and there will be plenty after you. So do not hesitate to reach out to somebody. But like she said, look inside too. Because if that's not, 
if you only look for outside and try to solve outside issues, you're not going to be as effective if you don't know how to solve your own problems inside. Yes. You're not going to be effective at all. Mm-hmm. Then you just out here like preaching to the choir. It's like you need to be doing that, but you're really not looking at yourself because you're still going to fill a void. Because yes. you're trying to fill a void in everybody else's life, but you forget about you because you think you just either perfect health or your problems don't matter. Well, newsflash, they matter. So mm-hmm. work True on indeed. it. And sometimes yeah. you might need another person to help you see that. Like you need spiritual guides or therapists or psychologists or social workers. They're there to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there are going to be a lot of questions that you yeah. can't answer. So, yeah. So, okay. So let's get into resources. Okay. Cause I think this part is very, very important. So, Miss Casey was very kind enough. She did send me a list of a couple of different resources. And um, so the first resource that she sent me was called Pierce County Resources Coordinated Entry System. Can you break that down for us, Miss? I know a lot of your listeners are all over the world. But if you live in Washington State and you are uh, experiencing homelessness, are you experiencing some type of mental health issue, veteran or not? You have to go through the coordinated entry system in order for anybody to help you, so so to speak. Like not anybody, but most providers are on this system. And in order for people to take you into their system, they have to get referred by yeah. the coordinated entry system. And that's for a lot of stuff. I also have a, um, a resource guide here in front of me and I can send that off to you after we're done here. Uh-huh. Um, it's, a, it's a few pages long with a whole lot of resources and services for people who are homeless or just needing some type of support okay and then also in the description um today i will be um leaving you guys with casey's email which um if you have any mental health issues or you just have questions concerns anything you know you can always feel free to reach out to her via email another resource that she gave to was called family permanent housing as well too and um they pretty much they provide like referrals is that Mm -hmm. right so the housing piece of that, it just goes right under the Associated Ministries Coordinated Entry. They help you get housed permanently. That's literally what it is. Like they okay. help you find housing, not transitional, but permanent. Nice. Permanent housing. So if you're out here homeless, you can get housed permanently. I'll also send you a, a list of places that's national um, okay. for everyone to, to look, look for as well. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Now, again, this is all going to be U.S.-based because I do know I have some, you know, out-of-the-country listeners, oh, so U.S.-based. Yes. Can I say something? Uh, people actually call 211 because 211 is different for every mm. state. Every state has 211. So if you're looking for some type of mental health service, any type of service in your state, call 211. Now, sometimes they give you numbers that are for people who don't have that funding anymore, and it can get tiring. It can get really tiring trying to call 211 for certain services, but keep at it. If you need to go take a walk afterwards, get back to it, call them, ask the necessary questions. Like if someone says we don't have the funding, ask them when they'll get more funding. Or if they don't do that service anymore, ask them if they know anyone else who does that service. But 211 is definitely your friend and 211 is in every single state. True indeed. That's really good information. Um, So yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah. And just don't be discouraged either too. Understand too, when you call 211 or these numbers, you can choose to remain anonymous if you just want to inquire about information okay so you don't have to feel like you have to give all of your business to get some help even if you just want some basic information say look i'm not comfortable with giving my name i just want to know what is your process what do i have to do how what's the turnaround you can ask those general questions you know if 
first you want to then decide and then make a decision to move forward with the help. Right. So, you know, just know that. And then the last thing um, that she gave me was for mental health. And it's called, I'm probably going to butcher this, NAMI. So it's NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. And they actually have a bunch of helplines. A bunch of helplines. They have helpline resources, psychology treatment places, suicide and uh, crisis lines, helplines, financial assistance stuff, advocacy and legal things, community support services. Um, They have everything that you might need help with when it comes to like needing help for services they have it so yeah so that's another thing too is that in those two a lot of those hotlines too they are anonymous and they can link you to as well to just even speaking to someone like a listener so i mean so that's some really good information to look at and then again you know i am gonna leave casey's email on here and you know if you are a homeless female veteran in the state of Washington and you are needing help or if you know someone that is a homeless female veteran needing help feel free to reach out to Casey and you know she'll be able to guide you guys I'm also going to send you a battered women's justice project uh, link Mm -hmm. because they have also have resources that you can use for people who are experiencing um, sexual trauma that be within the military or outside of the military as well perfect okay you heard it here (laughs) (laughs) final thoughts though any last minute words any advice any any quotes anything that gets you by what anything to say don't shut up in color okay and anything in your life don't do it because then people are gonna see you as some type of pushover now honestly like I've been dealing with my own struggles of passiveness and I'm finally learning how to not shut up in color but throw the book in your face you know what I'm saying I'm still (laughs) don't go to jail now don't go to jail okay but I'm actually learning how to do that and I'm telling you it's the most freeing thing ever Mm -hmm. because if you don't say something that's on your heart and you sit there with it your head gonna start hurting like literally your head will hurt for a long time and you're gonna feel some type of way every time you talk to that person because you have not said what was on your mind say it learn how to be respectful when you say it but say it because if you don't say it you're gonna be sitting on that forever it's true it's it's very true and you know as always i do hope that my episodes help anybody going through whatever um and again if you guys and this is a cheap plug but hey if you have not listened or tuned into the get your spirit in check episode again you know i'm really big on that inner part of me I mean I've done the therapy in my life I've done seeking the help I've done hotlines too for different things that I've been through and um, definitely I think my final step was getting my inner being in check and so you know definitely even if you are on that path and you're just feeling like you're missing something you know maybe that could be the way but yeah definitely that would be my final words (laughs) please check that out because there's a lot of jewels in there you need to pick up Mm. please check that out hello (laughs) <laughs> so you know although this is the season finale um you guys are actually going to be hearing from casey some more yeah. on season two really soon so yeah um in hey. another light in another light but i'll keep that as a secret for now um <laughs> but no yeah definitely um you know i thank you guys so much though for uh, um tuning in for the entire season one um i definitely appreciate again the love and support and definitely i appreciate you miss casey for joining me on this episode no especially last minute hey no problem you know i ain't got no life <laughs> It's all good, she girl. I'm happy to do. have a life. She lying. I don't know about that. Well, it's Sunday. I don't got a life on Sunday usually. It's mm-hmm. Sunday. <laughs> but girl, I'm, I was happy to because I love talking about mental health. Yes. The more the better. The more people know about mental health and mm-hmm. what women go through in the military, the more people that are educated. Okay. I, I, and I, 
am so thankful to be on the show today to talk to you about these things. I appreciate and respect your perspective. Oh, thank you. I And again, I really loved listening to your perspective today because, again, I've never served. I mean, I've only been a military spouse in my past days. I mean, so, and I've always said, I when people go through things, I never know to that extent what they go through ever. I, I mean, all I can do is listen, understand, but I will never know what that feels like. So it was really good to get your perspective and hear all those things. And no I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people that could relate to you and, you know, and more. So, well, <laughs> hey, listen to her podcast, y'all. She the shit. <laughs> I hate her. Goodbye. So anyway, but again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the season finale. Um, I will definitely catch you guys on season two, and I'm actually gonna have a lot more surprises on season two. Um, you know, feel free to leave a voice message as always too, and um, follow me on Instagram if you don't follow me and my true loyal fans on Snapchat. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, take care. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I have an exclusive sneak peek of Zion Moon's new single, Do Your Thing, dropping this Friday, September 6th. Let's take a listen. Let's go. Bounce it, 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 bounce it